0: Happy Friday. Welcome to the Morning Show After Show, where we connect the dots the morning after.
1: And we are so happy to be discussing episode four today, titled Kill the Fatted Cat. And as always, don't worry, guys, because we are watching along
2: with you, so there'll be no spoilers here.
0: For those of you who might be new to the show, I'm Kevin Taft, and I'm a member of the Hollywood Critics Association. I'm joined by my fellow members of the HCA. On my left, we have the delightful Morgan Rojas. And you. on my right, the lovely Kira so, Kira, what did you think of this episode?
2: Oh my gosh, Kevin, there's so much to unpack, and I cannot wait till we really get into it.
0: I know. Morgan, what about you?
2: Okay, so I have two words. Foo Fighters. Yeah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know anything but saying.
1: <gasps> How I dare know. you? I know.
0: <laughs> Was it not my generation?
1: No. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, and we are loving the comments you guys actually are posting on our YouTube page and on our Twitter page, so keep it up. And maybe your comment will be featured. And I have two comments that I would love to read to you guys if you're ready. Bring it on. Okay. So the first one actually touches my heart. It says, um, since y'all talked about dogs being on the show, does that mean that you three would bring your dogs on the show in the future? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, It was
2: really funny because when I was interviewing Mark Duplass, my dog was actually scratching at the door. (laughs) And I was like sorry guys let's just put that on hold let me open the door because <laughs> she will continue to do that and at the very end and we completely cut this out but he was like now he was like it was great to talk to you now go play with your dog so, <laughs> mm.
0: so she what would. a good guy i don't have a dog but if anybody would like to give me one um and a bigger apartment how <laughs> is the dog
1: we can um share mine because mine oh. yeah he he needs a lot of um, activities and things to do. So I think being with new people would be great. What oh. kind of dog do you have? I have a border terrier. Oh. His name is Ernest. Cute. Oh.
2: I have a chihuahua. Her name is Holiday. So maybe Ernest and Holiday can be oh, best friends. I love friends. it. Let's do
1: it. <laughs> cool. Um, second comment says The episode breakdowns on your show really keeps the viewer thinking. Keep up the great work. Aww, you you. You. We like that. Thank we you. We do. Thank you. We appreciate that. And here's your reminder that while you're hanging out in the comment section, please don't forget to subscribe like, and turn on that notification bell so you don't miss out on any of that amazing Hollywood Critics Association content. And we have a segment for fan mail where we
2: talk about the fan mail that we received, and we got a question, actually, from Carly Schneer. Will we get further insight into Corey's backstory to learn more about his motivations and, most importantly, what is going on with him and Bradley because the show's hinting at something
0: first of all what are we going to call them because you know eventually we're going to so i came up with crowdley or brewery cordley? <laughs> cordley. cordley 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 you know ordley brewery well, Bradley's funny. You know,
2: Chalix, there's right. Cordley. <laughs> yes. You know, it's funny because uh, we were talking about this off camera. You know, I kind of got a bit of a hint of something between them in season one. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, oh, I would like to see that because, you know, you'd want to get two beautiful people together and that's Corey and Bradley. But I felt that was a little too obvious. Yeah. And so now we're kind of seeing it unravel and, you know, play out. I mean, what do you guys think about I it? I
0: mean, especially during the Foo Fighters segment because, you know, um, Bradley's dancing around and he's off to the side and he's not just even looking at her like, look what I've done. I've, you know, she's, she's doing the job right. He, there was like a little smirk mm-hmm. and a little like, almost a sigh.
2: Yeah. And
0: I was like, oh, he's got it bad.
2: I like it when she comes. she comes to his hotel room and he knows what she's there for. And she's trying to play it off, you know, oh, I'm here to apologize. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, no, give it, like, tell me what you're really here mm-hmm. for. And then he basically calls her out, like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to moderate. And she's like, gets really frustrated. I, that whole exchange, it was, it was definitely, you you saw where that intimacy that Bradley had alluded to, that the two of them had gotten vulnerable during that time. And that sort of an exchange where it was like he knew her so well that he he kept pushing her. Like, what are you really you call that a you know challenging her, you call that a an apology? Okay, well if this is the you know, <laughs> this is an apology. And then he just kept digging and then to see her dig back and to see him give that Wonderful monologue, you know, where he does his choreisms <laughs> and like the whole "trust me, you, you, everything yep. that I do is for your benefit," and you absolutely need to trust me. That's where I was like, that whole backstory makes sense. We'd like to thank you guys so much for that question. Don't forget, if you'd like to send us over a comment or a question for one of us, or have a question for a possible upcoming guest, please send those over to shows at Association.com. Your question could be featured here or be answered by one of your favorite actors from the show. You guys, it really can happen, so please send that over.
0: Speaking of guests, we are lucky today to have Deshaun Terry with us, Daniel Henderson. And with this episode, we have certainly seen a new side of Daniel. Hey, Deshaun, thank you for joining us today.
3: Hey, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: In this episode, Daniel tells Mia, quote, UBA often excuses the bad behavior of white folks and disadvantages people of color. It's true, and Mia admits it. Tell us about the dynamic between Mia and Daniel, and have you experienced anything like that in your own work life?
3: Yeah, you know, one of the exciting things for me this season is that we will um, explore the Mia and Daniel relationship further. Um, And I think what's happening when Daniel does his uh, call out is he, you know, you guys will see how it goes throughout the season. (laughs) He calls out multiple people. Um, (laughs) But with Mia specifically, Daniel feels like he has an ally in Mia. Uh, I do think that they're friends. And so especially with Mia having this new found power being promoted for second season... I think Daniel is particularly excited this time and he feels as if UBA can change. And part of that change then would be what's happening with Mia. But already, as we have seen from episode three and four, it's not quite going the way that Daniel thought it was gonna go because me and Daniel uh, are not always on the same page. And so it, and and in terms of like, have I experienced that before? Yeah, 100%, right? The entertainment industry is this, right? I've definitely uh, uh, experienced what Daniel's talking about in terms of systemic racism. Uh, I I mean that, you know, every black person in America, um, they may not disagree with me, but I believe every black person in America or any person of color, that's the system that we're in. So I definitely experienced that. But specifically what I feel is happening here with me and Daniel, is that sort of um, idea of someone that you feel might be on your side or in your corner, Um, may not be. Uh, And I think Daniel is learning that in this episode and that has a tremendous impact on him.
2: Well, in this episode, Stella tells Mia that Daniel doesn't have that it factor. But do you, Deshaun, believe Stella, or are you on Daniel's side? Do you think that Daniel can level up to that quote unquote star that she's talking about? <laughs>
3: um, well, here's the thing. And even Stella says this uh, Daniel has something. He's working with something because he is uh, on one of the top shows and he has this coveted position a- in order to get there, right? Um, and just, we're just talking logistically, just in terms of to be able to get there as a, a, a Black man, a gay Black man. He, I mean, the number of obstacles that Daniel has had to go through in order to uh, get to achieve what his white counterparts, um, you know, we can just say statistically that we can definitely say that Daniel is a, is a talented um, and uh, skilled journalist. Now, the thing, and I wish Daniel had said this. I wish he would have said this. This whole idea, the it factor, like, what is that? I mean, if we just look at that historically, thats uh, it, it, it has a huge connection in, in terms of proximity to whiteness. And I think that that's what Daniel perceives um, uh, when Stella says that. Because he says that, you no, know, that whole concept, I don't remember his exact words. He's like, well, maybe she's saying that because she is a bigot. So Daniel feels as if that whole perception is actually skewed and that's something that, you know, historically has definitely been used to like keep black folks out of the media. So I do think though, at the end of the day, um, we're all human beings, right? And so we're, we're, we are, and that's one of the things I like about the morning show is that these people are imperfect. So I think that there's definitely opportunity for growth in terms of Daniel, who he, who he is. But I think it actually is some sort of maybe internal growth that Daniel needs to find. And we'll see what happens in season um, that will sort of like really drop him into his place. But I think some of the things that are at play at UBA does impact Daniel. Um, But ultimately I gotta say like, I think the if factor is bullshit (laughs) and that my boy is really, really talented and deserves a seat at the table.
1: So I'm curious, in your everyday life, do you watch network news? And if so, do you watch it with a more critical eye now that you've played Daniel and you kind of see w- what a newsroom is like?
3: 100%, I watch network news. Um, and I definitely. it's like, you know, it's one of those things where um, uh, I'm so glad that I'm not a chef because if I was a chef, it would ruin food for me, right? Because when you become that thing, then you're looking at it at a critical eye. And yeah, for me, playing a journalist on television has made me now look at everything with a more circumspect and I'm seeing through the entire thing, right? Uh, uh, one of the things I've done in researching is I visited a couple studios and things like that. And so having a sense of what we're seeing on the camera and what the journalist is actually doing, 100%, it makes me look at it completely differently. It also makes me even that more vulnerable to the voices of color and the platforms that we do have out there um, to to understand the level of obstacles and how difficult that job is. Um, Any job in the media is hard, but as a, a person of color to get that platform, it's made me more in touch with their, their journeys uh, in general. So yeah, I have a different relationship with it now.
0: So we're all kind of wondering what role the Black Lives Matter movement will have in the season as you know, it's kind of fast approaching that in that direction. What can you tell us about that?
3: Well, you know, we are pre-George Floyd um, because we're at the top of the year, right? If we, we're, we're looking back on it. Um, so we're at the top of the year. So I think Daniel is moving out of the the, the country has not had the mobilization that it had uh, when we ended up in quarantine. So Daniel is still very much so moving out of his own personal understanding of the workforce, and just his own personal, uh, you know, political or socio political beliefs. So I, I don't, I, I think technically, we can't say that right now he's responding to Black Lives Matter. I think that for Daniel Black Lives do matter and it was actually funny to me just as a person living through 2020, a a, a Black person living through 2020, I actually went back and I looked at a lot of um, the discourse that was happening before George Floyd and I found a lot of people who were being this super critical about our system and found so many books that were just leading us exactly where we were in terms of really disseminating what was what's happening sociopolitically. politically. And when I went back and looked at it, I was like, Oh my God, why why wasn't I reading this before George Floyd? Right. So I feel like Daniel is one of those people, one of those journalists. Um, that were out there, like Zakiya Alexander, whose book that she, uh, I forgot the name of her book, but um, uh, the the work that she does, where I feel like it contributes to the discourse. And so I see Daniel as in that set as one of the precursors that's going to, uh, it'd be interesting to see if, and we see that actual movement where Daniel lands within all that. But I think he's kind of a precursor to it, uh, technically, because we're not in Black Lives Matter as of yet, Um, at least how it mobilizes the country.
1: Okay, so who would Daniel go get after work drinks with? I'm so curious. <laughs>
3: uh, before episode uh, three and four, it would have been Mia. But we might not be getting drinks anymore. Um, I think, you know who, who I think he hangs out with? I think he hangs out with um, uh, uh, Yanko and, and Ty, right? Maybe even, wait, no, that's a I was going to give a spoiler right there. Yeah, I feel like the, the newscasters like Yanko and Ty, you know, the people who were sort of like the B newscasters, I think we all go out and then Allison, of course, Allison is like his uh, work wife. I think they all go out after work and drink and, you know, bitch and complain about Alex and Bradley and, and all that stuff. Like that feels authentically right. And Mia a little bit, but more so, I think that the work family is amongst the newscasters.
2: Deshaun, how was it shooting those Wuhan scenes at the height of the pandemic? Uh,
3: The Wuhan scene, uh, AKA the scene that keeps getting rescheduled. (laughs) That's what I think about it. Um, So the funny thing is, as soon as I got the script saying that um, we were gonna, that, that I saw that I was, Daniel was going to Wuhan, I did text the production, I'm ready to go to Wuhan in real life. Um, And they were like, no, we're doing everything in LA. And, you know, which was amazing. I was like, I don't know, how are you guys gonna do this? And the production, uh, the art director, Nelson Coates, who is so fantastic, um, found these locations. uh, And oh my God, they transported us into Wuhan, China in a matter of days. And it had to be days because here's why. We were trying to shoot a group scene and we were dealing with the volatility of the pandemic. And so there were a couple times when we had to reschedule because it just wasn't a good idea to have a group scene based off of the COVID numbers. So we had to reschedule it a couple times and then eventually we got it done. We shot that, I think we shot the bulk of episode three altogether and that was one of the lingering scenes. The group scenes had to be rescheduled because of also uh, with uh, the COVID numbers and what we were getting. So. Um, it was cool i felt safe when we did it because we took so many precautions to get there but it was impressive in terms of what we had done artistically but also so eerie so eerie to think that this was the chaos that was happening in one city and that we just ignored that because we wanted to just pretend like nothing was happening and so that part of it was just very eerie and uh, you know, fun and exciting to, to, to do it though, to take the journey.
1: Okay, so we have to talk about the song. What was going through Daniel's head and what was it like for you to perform it?
3: <laughs> um, first of all, it was fun. But I do have to say, I have to just put it out there that I am a better singer than Daniel, just so everybody <laughs> just, just understand that, okay? Um, uh, the song was fun. Um, and we went through different versions of it. We had different ideas of what was going to happen. You know, um, uh, we even had different songs. Uh, and then what we, what we landed on, and I'm really happy with where Carrie landed on, is that it turns out to be this just messy, uh, you know, cr- crazy moment. And that was fun. It's always fun to like play a train wreck. <laughs> now, in terms of what was going on in Daniel's head, So I think what happened is that Daniel has seen now Alex and Bradley and other people um, just take power, just usurp power and they've been rewarded for it. So as miscalculated as his decision may have been at that moment, I think what happened is that Daniel is saying, you know, if, the, if not playing by the rules is what's getting other people this attention in a split decision, in a split moment decision, what he decided to do. Okay, well, I'm just going to do the same thing because I've been playing by the rules and it's look where it's gotten me. And so he decides that he wasn't going to play by the rules in that moment. Um, so it's a direct action to what he's seen happen at the network before.
0: Thank you so much, Deshawn, for joining us today. We can't wait to see what happens with your character this season.
1: It's coming to America <laughs> Thanks, Deshawn.
3: <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Yeah. So fun. Thank you, guys.
0: The top trending topic this morning is... It's Alex Levy. Whoa! Woo. It's Alex Levy.
2: Oh my gosh, I've arrived, guys. Yes, you, you, you can quit now, you <laughs> can no, now. Don't, no, Don't quit.
1: I can
0: Okay, <laughs> No, wait, I she just, just
2: got back. Just,
0: all right, the people are saying thank goodness Alex Levy's home. Coffee doesn't taste right without her. That's, right, saying, right without her. that's right. true. That's true. Very very
2: she did sweet. taste different today.
0: <laughs> OMG, so great to see Alex and Bradley together. Aww.
3: Bradley without Alex is like Rose without Jack. Oh, oh my gosh, thank you.
0: Yeah. Twitter user CRV Crab says, Alex Levy, modern day hero. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag feminist god. Okay,
2: Okay, that's enough. I think we've heard enough of this
3: one. No,
0: no. (laughs) Okay, now let's jump into our other favorite part of the show, talking about some of our favorite moments from this week's episode. Kira.
2: Yes, Mr. Taft.
0: Begin, please. (laughs) Oh, you know. Am I your teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Tom.
2: Yes, Mr. Top. You know, I said this a couple of episodes ago. I'm so happy that, you know, they finally have an Asian American character on the cast and we kind of get a little bit of Stella's backstory. She she's definitely shown a little bit more prominent in this episode mm-hmm. and my one of my favorite scenes it doesn't necessarily have Stella in it, but it's when Alex is in the dressing room and she's kind of like going off Alex feels that uh, she doesn't want to be told what to do by this young woman with no experience. Yeah, 33. 30 like, wow, what am I doing with my life? I'm 33. <laughs> like, to be that accomplished. But it's kind of like, oh, you know, she feels that that Stella doesn't have enough life experience. There's our Alex.
1: <laughs> That's the Alex that I was yes. waiting for. And here she finally makes her appearance. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, okay, so I love a good music moment. So, of course, the Steve Carell uh, Shut Up Your Face by Joe Dolce, I believe. Actually, interesting fact that I found out, that song was a multi-million dollar selling song. Really? Fact. Well, Wikipedia (laughs) fact. (laughs) Fact. Fact, apparently. Yeah, crazy. But I, I loved that moment in that scene because it, for the first time, at least in my opinion, kind of humanized mitch in a way that he wasn't being victim shamed like at the gelato place he was actually being a little goofy and kind of lightening up a little bit and not that we need to necessarily feel a lot of sympathy for him yet because it is still a bit early he still kind of has to prove himself but i like seeing him happy and singing and dancing and kind of getting a little bit more comfortable with his new reality and his new you know life as it is right now right yeah
0: which it brings up my favorite moment, um, was Mitch and Paola. So mm-hmm. I love their chemistry and their dynamic together. Um, and I was fascinated by the scene when she goes in to kiss him on the <gasps> neck, And he was like, no. Yeah, You know, while it's hard to feel bad for men and or women that do the things that Mitch did in the past, mm-hmm. they're still human beings. Mm-hmm. They're flawed, but we all are. And then when do we allow for the forgiveness? But to see him so afraid of, they're not even working, I mean, they're kind of working together, but not in a, an official capacity. Right. And him still afraid, like...
2: It, it was trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, that little simple action, he—the the, how fast he stiffed like, up and was like, don't do that.
1: So what about uh, Mitch's wife calling him? The news that Hannah is in the middle of this, like, smear campaign that is... Being sent to different outlets to see who's going like, to pick it up, and Mitch kind of loses his mind and gets really upset.
2: I thought it was interesting how you know he's trying to convince Paige that he's not behind it, and that is that kills him. That you know, I he's like I he's trying to convince her I, I have nothing to do with it. Right. And you can hear Paige on the other line going, I don't believe you. Right. That that's where Mitch ends up calling Corey to. You know, tell him what's going on, and and I like that exchange between the two of them. It, they were kind of you know battling each other. Corey was you know getting on Mitch's case, like oh you know you're definitely you you definitely had a hand at this, and then mm-hmm. Mitch basically going well yeah I'm the bad guy I get it you know I'm doing my time you know it, basically that sort of I I liked seeing them kind of go at it because yeah. you hadn't
1: really seen that since yeah this was the first time I've felt that Corey was kind of on the receiving end yeah. of a harsh talking to. And it was it was interesting to see. He kind of cowered back a bit. I felt mm-hmm. like Mitch really took control of that conversation. And yeah, hopefully, you know, Corey's able to find out who leaks the story and stops it. But um, yeah, I, I was proud of Mitch in that moment.
0: Yeah, to kind of piggyback off of that, a um, whole taking responsibility and like learnings and that he's now learning something. Then we have Yanko, who made the comment about the spirit animal. Now it's trending negatively towards him. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to apologize. And he's forced to, but it's kind of vague and half hearted. And they're like, this isn't going to be helping anything. But, you know, like, do we understand kind of his reasoning of, like, why do I have to do this? And then I, you know, it's like, I think his feeling is, am I doing it with malice? or ill intent, or did I just make a slip? But at the same time, he's not learning that in this a- day and age, I can't say these things. Yeah, And he's just pushing against it, like Mitch was kind of pushing against what he did, mm-hmm. and has now gone like, oh, okay.
1: There was actually another moment too with Bradley and Laura mm. in bed. Mm. When it cuts to that, I was like, oh, okay. They they're, that, that wasn't just a flame. The kiss was more than just a distraction to not answer the question that Bradley didn't want to. I mean, they're, who knows the scope of this relationship, but they're clearly, you know, in some sort of relationship. There's a line too that I thought was pretty funny that Laura says, where she's talking about UBA and, and Bradley and Corey and the whole thing, and she goes, uh, another streaming service? They should be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> <And> then,
0: like, <laughs> Agreed.
1: <laughs> right?
0: We're all going broke. We thought cable was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah that made me laugh out loud.
2: But I want to talk about that scene as well because that scene, she lets on what happened during that hiatus. You know.
1: Yeah. Finally.
2: And I was like, oh, where am I? They're mixing this in. What are they gonna? Mm -hmm. What are they gonna do with this? Hmm. Interesting.
1: I mean, it's also
0: just interesting that she's not ident. She's not. um Is identifying herself. She's not putting herself into, I'm intersexual, I'm uh, fluid, whatever. She's Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, I am who I am. I do this, I do that. I'm a sexual person. And Laura's very, what are you? What aren't you? And then she seems a little irritated by it.
2: Well, she's pushing the buttons. It's, you know, when she says, when Laura tells her, you know, I I feel that, uh, um, what was it? I feel that you're repressed. That obviously like ticks a button like if anything we know about bradley is bradley doesn't like other people coining what bradley is yes and even though it's clear that bradley you know is repressed in you know from her reaction she doesn't want anybody else to tell her what she is or is not and i yeah her reaction it was like oh she's like totally just hitting some buttons and you know yeah putting the knife in and, like, twisting it a little bit.
0: I can see both their sides, though, because you can see, you know, Laura's, like, uh, uh, you know, she's a little older than her, and she's probably, like, do I want to deal with a child who... in in Child, as far as the maturity of the sexuality portion of it. Um, But at the same time, you're, like, maybe she doesn't want to define it, and does she have to, and why do we feel like she must... So I, f- I see both their sides, and I just don't think it's going to ma- match.
2: Well, I feel that Laura was pushing those buttons because maybe she is entertaining a thought of what if this could go somewhere, you know? I don't... Maybe she's thinking, well, if I'm going to get into this sort of relationship, I need to know who Bradley is when it comes to this portion of her life. Is, it, is she released straight? You know, is she going to keep... You know, whereas Laura is out, Mm -hmm. you know everybody knows that she's out, and Bradley is still, you know, dealing with that identity. And so I think, if anything, I know in previous episodes, I was like, I don't necessarily trust Laura, but now we're really seeing who she is. You know, she's she's laying it out. She's really she can be really soft, but she's asking those hard questions because maybe she does want to pursue a real relationship with Bradley. Those are honest questions to be asking if when you're going to get in bed with somebody or, you know, you're going right. to try to pursue a longer relationship.
1: Yeah, right. and that would be sort of offensive. Um, if I was Laura and, and Bradley says, oh, yeah, I'm not actually a lesbian. It's like, oh, then what are, why are we, you know, like don't pretend I don't exist when it doesn't suit you. Um, so that's... Yeah, I see Laura's side for sure. To to be able to trust Bradley and that she's going to be open and not try and hide this relationship is a big thing. You know, for any sort of relationship, you don't want to hide the fact that you're in one, right? right. So, like, that's that's going to be an interesting dynamic yeah, to track.
0: <laughs> at her age also, I mean, they haven't said what her age is, but she's mm-hmm. probably like, you know, you don't want to waste time. Yeah. And, like, I wouldn't date a guy who was in the closet because it's like, I just... I don't want to have to deal with that. Like I already did that. Yeah. You know, let's move on. And I think to your point, it's like she's trying to suss it out and be like, "Am I? Is this worth my time?"
2: <laughs> this is this is going to sound oh, so no. dumb, but you know, <laughs> Bradley breaks the vase. You know, she breaks this vase, and you know, Laura's like, "You're going to have to pay for that." And then to cut to Bradley apologizing, and she brings this Crate and Barrel bag, and she's like, "It's a three hundred dollar gift card." I'm like that vase was probably way more money than $300 from Crate and Barrel. I was like, and you know, that was just, you know, my whole thought. I was like, oh my gosh, she threw this vase. What if this was like this, what if this was like a $2,000 vase? And here she comes with her Crate and Barrel. Was that like
1: more offensive to give $300?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I like Laura. As, As we are going, as we're progressing now, I'm, like I said before, I was kind of, you know, that's kind of the Scorpio in me. I'm like, oh, I'm so suspicious of her. And then now it's like, okay, so now I'm just kind of waiting for her to turn. <laughs> me
0: too, <laughs> me, because she's yeah. gathering the information. Then Bradley's going to do something to piss her off, and she's going to be like, Bleh, and all of it's going to come out. That, mm, that's what I'm worried
2: that about prediction right That could be a prediction Jump to the right there. Sorry, could be a prediction right <laughs> there. We're done. Good night.
0: <laughs> um, what <laughs> What are some more moments that you liked?
1: Um. Let's see. Well, I mean, to talk about Mitch again, I think the end where he gets the phone call that Paula's interviewee tested positive, and he's laying in bed like, "Oh, okay. Well, there's a good chance that I have COVID." Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, yeah, cliffhanger. But, um, <laughs> right. d- yeah, I'm. I'm. What do you guys? Think? I don't know. What I do hope think? not.
0: I mean, somebody's gone it. I know. But, I mean, you know, it could be him. Oh, well, I, I could see how that would work as a storyline. Like, he's going to somehow try to right his wrongs and then, <laughs> d- then
2: die. die and no one's going to believe
0: <laughs> Or he becomes a martyr. I don't
2: know. Well, if you think about it, you know, we, we kind of have a crystal ball in, in terms of, you know, what the timeline is regarding COVID and, and quarantine and, the you know. Mm-hmm. And be, uh, at that time... Italy was the hotbed, yeah. You know, before it really kind of came here to the U.S. So the likelihood that they have COVID is really high. Like the, for them, they may not think anything of it, you right. know, maybe because they're all locked in, you know, the luxurious Lake Cuomo or what, whatnot. But the possibility. Is the high?
0: I just had a prediction. Ooh. Oh, I did too. As did you're you? talking, Ugo. You okay, well, well, <laughs> your you're <laughs> welcome, guys. My um, prediction is that they're going to. So she's working on a documentary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's going to have to finish it
1: because she's going to die. Oh, <gasps> that was not my prediction. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> we're jumping forward, but who cares? This is good. What, what do you got? Um, well, I yeah, I, I feel like maybe he's going to get it, and. It's going to make international news because he's still this figure. And then UBA is going to be like, oh, we need to cover this. And that's going to be the tie-in to go back
0: Oh, to that's UBA. good, too. Maybe it'll be all of it. Maybe. Well, I guess we can move on to predictions, even though we've kind of blown our predictions already. <laughs> um, but back to Daniel. Mm. Um, what was going to happen to him? Because, again, what was Stella doing in his office? Um, But his talk with Mia was really eye-opening, and it's interesting to see her put aside her, I guess, personal needs Mm. with her career needs, and knowing she's doing it and even admitting it to him, saying, like, I know that I'm doing these things, but I feel like she feels backed into a a corner. But I do feel like if we get to the Black Lives Matter thing,
3: then Mm.
0: she'll either turn or the two of them will butt heads on what they believe and not believe. It'll be interesting
3: Mm. to see.
1: Interesting. I I predict there's going to be a weird love triangle between Corey, Laura, uh, and Bradley. Yes! yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Could be. That's all sure. I'll say. I'm just <laughs> worried
0: about their dynamic because it seems a little yeah. mother-daughter at the moment. But right. But who knows? Who knows?
2: <laughs> so, you know, I really liked that showdown between Corey and Stella on the phone, you know, and it, it showed... How cool and collected! A little bit of that, you know, Lucy Liu. A little bit of that Lucy Liu. But I really, like, I really feel that you know she definitely has more to say. And so whether or not that showdown's going to be with another another one with Corey or maybe maybe a, maybe another higher up, I don't know. But she definitely there's there's more to Stella. That's what I'm predicting because she's obviously super smart you know, uh, she's awful, you know, she's young for somebody in her position, so just to, to have, like, it, it's like setting it up for something good. What that good is yet, I don't know, but
1: I'm I'm rooting for it. Yeah, well, Something's <laughs> bubbling for sure. Yeah. She's a lot in, and she's gonna, she has to explode at some point. I agree.
0: Well, you could go on and on and on about this episode, clearly. Yes. <laughs> um, but our time is up, and that brings us to the end of the show. Aww. Uh, Please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Hit that notifications button. You can tweet us at uh, at HCA critics and follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Critics Association. Thank you for joining us here at the Morning Show After Show. I am Kevin Taft.
1: I am Morgan Rojas. I'm Kira Lynn.
0: And this is the Morning Show After Show. See you next week.
2: Bye. Good job, guys. Thank you,